okay, let's get to know someone. Let's have them sit down, focus, and ask them all the questions our little heart desires. Today, our victim would be <laughs> Peter Gausala. Peter, how are you doing? I'm really well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you don't feel daunted when I call you a victim, no? No, not at all. Because alles in start. <laughs> we can handle it. The Lord is on our side. Peter, let's introduce yes, you. <laughs> let's talk about exactly personality-wise, what you do for a living. Let's just introduce you first before we go deeper. Okay, so my name is Peter. I grew up in Mozambique, was born in Malawi, and currently residing in Midwest near Cape Town. And I'm the head of department for the PNX Gap Year. And this is a wonderful year where we focus on um, post-matriculants, so people who just finished school and really don't know where they're going and who they are. They come to us for a year and what we do is through a lot of intentional skill building and adventure and career exposure, we really help them find out who they are and also solidifying their relationship with God, finding out this is where I want to go, this is my purpose in life exposing them to so many different experiences as part of their development and growth. Personality-wise? Well, everybody tells me I'm an extrovert. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely um, outgoing. I love people. I love working with people. Hence the reason that I'm working with people every day of my life. Um, I'm also a worship leader at a church, so I... I do the worship and the musical coordinating, which is a wonderful experience where I also work with 30 to 40 plus musicians. So outgoing, warm, adventurous, very energetic. I know um, if you really want an in-depth explanation, you can ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my energy never runs out. Um, but I really also love my quiet time. And there's also a stage where I'm, just want to be with myself and spend time with the Lord, which helps me to be consistent and not run out or get burned out. I take it that that's the reason why you're in youth ministry is because you just got so much energy. You needed some kind of ministry where they can keep up with you. <laughs> yeah, we also have a lot of fitness and I love running. So as part of the program, um, well, I love all types of fitness because I, I believe Healthy body, healthy mind, you know, healthy spirit, everything's connected. So um, it's very funny in the beginning of the year when these students arrive, especially after them a cheek exam and December holidays, they're not usually most fit. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> there's usually um, a lot of, let's just say, unhappy faces <laughs> for the first few weeks when we try and get them on standard. So. Yeah, that's also a great way to get rid of my energy is <laughs> regular <laughs> exercising and climbing mountains and surfing and doing all types of adventurous things. Okay, now here's the question because this is the acid test for your Christianity now is when they are sweating profusely and they're looking at you with unchristian thoughts brimming out of their eyes and everything like that now, are you a very merciful guy or do you just rub it in? <laughs> I think I pray for a lot of discernment. Um, <laughs> that is very important. So 
I've seen through the years that it's very important that you push people, but there's also a line. So really just asking for wisdom and discernment as to say, okay, when is that line? When is that stage where you need to, you know, give a break or be a bit more compassionate or merciful? And I've made those mistakes. Um, I probably still make them now, but I really try my best to, in terms of my leadership, as to gauge as to where the team is and how they're doing um, and take it from there. But the Holy Spirit has been a, a real rock in this sense, has really helped me a lot to um, not overdo it, but still help people grow. Because our growth is usually on the other side of our comfort zones and also on the other side of our fears. And a lot of people just need that motivation and, you know, tough love sometimes to say you can do it um, even though you don't think you can. Because there are many um, parallels between fitness, exercise that and spirituality. I mean, the whole thing about um, pressing through those barriers, the not giving up, the small goals, the seeing the top of the hill, even a hill. <laughs> there's, there's so many parallels that a physical action helps people understand a spiritual concept that I'm sure that it's something that's very practical for you to get a few points across. Definitely. Um, I'm also a marathon runner and so I've really pushed my boundaries and my limitations and I think we are so powerful um, God created us so powerful and really just like we can actually do anything but it's usually our mind and our fears and things like that that just keeps us back so I just want to say for anybody listening if, if you have a dream if you have a goal and you want to pursue that go for it. Um, yes, your heart is important. Your motivation is probably the most important thing. Do you do it for glory or do you do it for fame or do you do it you know, to honor God? But for me, in my you know, ultra marathon running and fitness goals, I just want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And so I strive to inspire other people to do that. And it's so funny. Usually when they catch that concept and when they grab onto that principle, something clicks in their spiritual life as well and vice versa, is that you're going to go through tough times, you're going to go through times where you feel things are not making sense, um, this heel doesn't stop, it's just getting steeper and steeper, I'm tired, I want to give up, and usually your victory is on the other side of that heel, and you can do it, but once again, it's a mindset, it's pushed through, and, and it's not easy. But God never said life is going to be easy, hmm. but it's very fulfilling. No, I'm just thinking, yes, there's always a downhill after that uphill. It's, that, that is a, a fact of life. But another thing about marathon running is that you, as you go further and further every time, you find out, oh, my word. I can do a 10 and then I can do a 21 and I, oh, I can do a 42 and then a 56 and then you do the comrades. It's like, it's like if you discover your own um, lack of limits that, that we mm. put on ourselves and you see guys or you see people when they're so young that haven't actually discovered everything that God has put in them 
and it takes an outside experience or, or something that you wouldn't normally do <laughs> safely in your comfort zone to convince you that there is more and, and that God wants more for you than you could even imagine. Definitely. Definitely. Um, something that's so beautiful about the comrades, I've had the privilege of um, doing my second one this year. And when I started running you know like you said you think your 10 kilometers is far and then you start building it up till the stage where you actually think maybe i'm going to be as crazy as doing the comrade yeah. <laughs> and um it's amazing as soon as you get to the road and you see so many other people attempting the same thing and that's why community is also so important um that's so spiritual as well, you know, is that you can run far by yourself, but when you know there's other people around you, you can go so much further. When you look at people with disabilities and um, people that are just, you know, physically challenged and they complete and they finish it, then you have to ask yourself, okay, but what is my excuse? Um, why can I not do it? And usually it's, it's something in your mind. So it's amazing where God takes us through these you know, trials and tribulations. But at the other side of your trial and tribulation, you have more character, you have more patience, you have more love, you have more fruit of the Spirit. And ultimately, that's the goal, becoming more like Jesus. That is why we are here and, you know, spreading His love, sharing that with the world. So James 1 says it's so beautiful, count it pure joy when you face all trials and tribulations, we should rejoice. We should seek for those challenges, actually. And it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it so worth it because you know I'm a better person. I'm more like Jesus. And at the end of the day, for me, that is the most important thing, um, reflecting that image of Christ. Yeah, but you see other people look at you and they see you as a masochist. They say it's your own choice to go suffer that much to all of those early hours and the late nights and after work, you've got to go run an extra 12 or an extra 20. And when everyone else is sitting in front of the TV, it's your choice. You chose that suffering, but God <laughs> doesn't give you the choice whether you'd like to go through suffering or through hard times in life. He takes you there because it's good for you. Um, sometimes I think you should take all of those pneumatic people and make them run the comrades. Then they'll be able to do life afterwards. <laughs> then, then they'll handle God's suffering. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But I also think our attitude is, is so instrumental in all of this because once again, if you approach life with positivity and intentionality, meaning growth, meaning, okay, I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be. So when that trial and tribulation come, rather than saying, God, why this, why that? Trusting Him, seeing that He is the author, seeing that He is the creator, seeing that He knows what He's doing. He's been knowing what He's doing since like forever. <laughs> so just saying, okay, God, change my heart, change my mind, renew it according to your will and way. And when the challenges come, I'm going to choose to grow. I'm going to choose to move forward. I'm going to choose to accept that because I know you're in the middle of everything. And as soon as we switch our mind to that, suddenly, what's the worst that could happen? If, if you hear what I'm saying, mm. what's the worst that could happen? Um, because with God, you'll always be okay. And it's not a cliche thing. It's not a, 
it's it's the truth. Um, he said that he's always been there. He's consistent. He's constant. Usually, the the fault comes when we start and play God, or when we try and take things in our own hands and you know control everything and kind of manipulate life that it goes according to our way. And that's usually when things go south and skew. Yeah, you have exposure to, especially to a lot of young people. And I'm thinking to myself, it's the same with the artists now. If you're working with the worship teams, uh, musicians, artists are very intense people. And the young people that I know as well, it's, it's like you experience life intensely. And I actually have mm-hmm. a friend at the moment. It's, his, it's part of his job to when people want to commit suicide, they call them. And then they're the ones who talk people down from the ledges. And, um, wow. and he, he says that in this past year, it has tripled the amount of calls he gets in a month. Tripled, literally, from just from last year till this year. It's as if we've come to this critical mass where everything is compiling and, and, and it's just getting too much. If you see the young people that pitch up there, and obviously when they come to you, they want direction in life. They want help with meaning in life to even have the guts to do life going forward. What do you experience where they are um, at the moment? I think school and just life in general is so crazy right now. I think um, truth is challenged more than ever. Um, I mean, we see that with the whole gender thing. Um, we see that see that with homosexuality being so in your face, I want to say. It's very evident. It's very clear um, that the enemy is really trying to confuse people and move them away from truth. And as John 8 says that, this is the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So for me, I really just try and expose them to the truth, you know, as much as I can. And that's there are different ways of doing it. But obviously, the Bible will always stay such a big cornerstone of where we move from. And so young people try and find purpose and um, seek for all these things, fulfillment in experiences and each other and the truth is (laughs) the truth is you will never find that in people you'll never find that in the world you can only find that in god and if you continue looking for that in anything and everything except god you'll always be disappointed and so what i just really try and do i just come back to the basics i just try when people have mental illness and we have a lot of them currently um stress and anxiety Jesus has a remedy for that, and Jesus is a remedy for that. There is ways to to overcome these fears. There are ways of, you know, dealing with your past and hurt. And whatever it is, it must be situated and, and grounded and rooted in truth. And that's the start. And God is the start of that. So really just try and help them build relationship with God and understanding that God is not Sunday morning church. God is not a specific thing. God is in everything. If you choose to to see Him in that, you know, God is God is everywhere, and He wants a relationship with you. The question is, what choices are you making to move closer to that truth of getting to know Him better? That will ultimately set you free. The best version of yourself you can ever be is closest to God. Mm. So the 
more closer you grow to God, the better you'll become. And and I believe the fruit of the Spirit is such a beautiful result of that. As the more time you spend with Christ, the more time you spend, you know, living right, making good choices and decisions, that fruit will show. And the love, the pure, and um, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the grace, everything will flow. That peace that comes only from God. So, I I think. Our world is so challenged today with truth and confusing everybody. And we really need to get back to the basics. So I just try and do that as much as I can. And it's unpopular. The <laughs> truth is unpopular. So that's also something we need to deal with. But God says it in his word. You're going to be unpopular. You're going to be persecuted. People's not going to like you. So that is part of the package. And I have the saying that I always try and, teach it to them is that I'd rather have a fear of God and maybe do something that I'm not 100% sure and be unliked by people than feel the Holy Spirit speak to me. But because of fear of people, you know, I don't do it. And at the end of the day, God says, depart from me. I don't know you. Mm. No, that's a very scary sentence. Now, the reason why I was asking you is because you represent an organization that stands for the truth. In other words, the word of God. And the word of God is unpopular for a reason. It's because some of that truth is not easy. It doesn't fit into a culture. And if you're working with someone who already feels rejected and already feels not good enough and unsure about themselves and the future, um, to then spare them. That's why people don't give them the truth is they're trying to spare them because they're so broken and their fragility needs to be protected. Therefore, we don't give the truth, but then they never get free because we don't have the guts to, to say what needs to be said. It's, I think the only thing that gives you the right to say that truth is the way you are able to convey it. If you're able to convey it in a way that is loving enough that people still see the love of God, without losing the edge of truth to it, it's not easy, is it? No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> because usually people see that if you tell them what they're doing wrong, then you're not loving them. But the truth is, that's when you're actually really loving them mm. because you want to help them. And so, I mean, that makes it always difficult. So... I think one thing we need to make clear is you are not going to be popular if you share the truth, but you'll probably be respected. And I'd rather be respected and know that I stand for something and have value in terms of I'm adding value to people's lives by helping them than just be this guy that, you know, everything goes. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, our price is to be like Jesus. Jesus was not popular. Let's just take a moment and reflect on that. He wasn't popular at all. He was respected and loved. He was maybe popular in his circle. I mean, that's why everybody wanted to crucify him. That's why everybody wanted to throw him off a cliff or the, the Pharisees was permanently trying to kill him. And if we put ourselves in his shoes, we realize that he didn't come for fame. He didn't come for anything. That And if we say we are Christians, in other words, we should be like Christ, then we need to start adopting that and saying, okay, I'm not here to start a fan club. I'm here to, to, to do God's will. Um, 
but with that, there's definitely a way. And we always need to pray for, for love and discernment and wisdom as to convey that truth in a way that doesn't offend people that they think God is not love. Maybe what the church has done in the past because of the way people do things. Um, and also we need to look at our lives daily and say, okay, are we actually living according to God's principles and what he expects of us? Are we good people? Are we loving? Are we kind? Mm. Some things like that. I think that's usually when we lose the most um, ground is when we preach to everybody, this is the way we should, they should be and this is the way we should live. But they don't see the just the basic human kindness or the basic human goodness in us. So yeah, it's always a, it's always a <laughs> difficult one. Someone uh, told me that your whole life, your whole life is about that moment you stand before Jesus. Everything, every decision, everything culminates in one moment and it's all about that one moment. And what's going to count at that moment is his opinion, his rules, our say ends when we do the last, and then that moment determines the rest of eternity. And it's very freaky when you think about it, that everything that you've said now gets measured at that one moment, and then it's going to count or not, <laughs> whether you got this thing right or not. Yikes. <laughs> Listen here, Peter, we've got to get to your music. Your song, Take Me, There Is No One Like You, God. I want to play this song, but I've learned that you get to write something and you've got a heart's intention with a song, a message that you want to convey. But I hear it through my own lenses and experiences now. So I want to give you the opportunity before we listen to the song. Tell me what it is you want me to hear when I listen to your song. My heart's desire is to spend time with Jesus, be in his presence. Because I believe that is the best place we could be. Um, I also believe that is where the most change happens is when we have an encounter with God. So when the song starts, I was actually a student when I wrote that song um, in 2014, years ago. And my intention was just to be with God, to spend time with Him. So when I say, I just want to be in your presence, I just want to be in your presence, take me, take my offering, take my life. This is who I am. I just want to be with you, you know. Um, this is the best I can give, <laughs> my time, you know, uh, whatever I am, even if it's nothing, this is, this is the best I have. Because there is no one like you, God. There is no one like Jesus, like the powerful creator. So that's just my heart's desire. With the whole album I'm also releasing, it's, it's, that is the heart for people to spend time with Jesus because um, I really believe that is the best place we could be is in his presence. And also, if we want to follow you, if we want to keep up with your ministry, where do we go to? So my stage name is actually Jesus a geliefde friend. <laughs> so Jesus' beloved friend. And um, I thought a lot about, you know, stage names and everything. And one day I read in John about the one Jesus loved and he was giving himself this beautiful name and it's funny because he wrote that about himself but it shows something about his relationship with God the intimacy the the personal relationship that God wants with him 
And I was inspired by that. And this this is a name that came up. And I was like, I want to be Jesus' beloved friend. I want to be as close to him as possible. And so that is actually the name. He's a Sigeliefde friend. So on Spotify, on YouTube, um, any social platforms, my song will, songs will be released. And that is the easiest way to stay up to date. Well, let's listen to this one right now. Take Me. There is no one like you, God. By Peter Gaus, also known as Jesus' geliefde vriend.